Welcome to the Quo, a community of challengers, disruptors, and changemakers. I'm your host, Pyle Patel. Join me as I dive into stories at the intersection of gender, race, and social and economic issues. This podcast series spotlights individuals from various industries, disciplines, and walks of life who are challenging the status quo. Through interesting and thought-provoking conversations, the quote aims to elevate the voices and stories of endeavoring change agents in hopes of empowering communities and inspiring meaningful change within our society through education, advocacy, and the power of storytelling. Are you ready? Let's get it. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode five. Today, we're going to dive into a variety of different topics, which speaks to the versatility and talents of this episode's guest. In the short amount of time that I've spent with her and gotten to know her, she and I have become friends, supporters, and admirers of one another's work. A prime example of women supporting women. Her name is Sandretta James. She's the owner and founder of Africana Cultura Fashion, a clothing business that celebrates the African culture through fashion. Her pieces are truly vibrant and exquisite. You just gotta see it. And it's always a point of conversation when I see her. She's also a mom, a wife, a podcaster, a photographer, and my fellow UN Women Chicago board member, currently serving as the Director of Public Affairs. And so I thought it was fitting to have her on this episode as it is International Day of the Girl today, a UN-sponsored day of observance that specifically works in tandem with the women's arm of the United Nations, which is UN Women, created to working towards achieving gender equality. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to Sandretta James. Hi. Hey, Sandretta. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. I mean, as I was listing off all the things that you do, I was like, how does this woman find time? (laughs) (laughs) Breathing. It's how I breathe. Just doing a lot of things. (laughs) Breathing Breathing is always a good idea. I mean, I'm I'm going through it myself, starting a new job and going through some personal changes on my end. So just hanging in there. But how are you, my friend? I'm going to keep breathing. I'm well. I'm excited to be here and to have this conversation. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. I feel like there's so much that you and I can talk about. And even before we started recording this episode, I feel like we already started having an episode of our own, just <laughs> talking about all the ways in which the things that we see kind of shock us. And, and we're like, wow, there is still a lot of status quo out there that has resistance right. to challenging, right? We were like talking about things we see on social media, now, where I get the social media fatigue that I was talking about with you. I'm like, oh, sometimes the comments you'll read, it's it's a lot. We're it, all going through a lot. And I'm like, is this me on the podcast? Because it was such a good such a good conversation, right? <laughs> it was. It was. I was. Part of me was like, stop talking and save this for the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll probably get to it again. For sure. For sure. Yes. So let's dive right in. I want to talk about all the things that you do. You, as I mentioned in the intro, you're into photography. That's a personal passion of yours. And I've seen your work on Instagram and it's so beautiful. I would think that you're actually a professional photographer. Um, Yeah. 
and you've started your own podcast as well, where you, you talk to everyday ordinary people who offer their own wisdom and insights based on their experiences, which I think is so cool. And then you run your own business that you started in the middle of the pandemic. What yes. was that like? Okay. It, so it was wonderful. So, um, the Illinois went on lockdown, um, in March and by the end of March, I had a new sewing machine. So that's how quickly this happened. And, um, I tell people this kind of bubbled out of me, but it had been lying dormant in me for a very long time. Sewing is something I'd love to do, but I never had time to do it because I was too busy making money or going to college and doing all of the things that didn't allow me to just sit down and sew. So I had a sewing machine in college and I gave it away when I moved to Illinois about six years ago. And then the pandemic happened and we were on lockdown and they closed the beaches in Illinois. And I thought I was going to just, I don't know. I was, I don't know. What to do. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Right. Like everyone was freaking out. I'm like, okay, I need to strategize. So when I tell you it was like the beginning of March that everything went down on lockdown, I got on Amazon and ordered a sewing machine. It got to me and I started sewing. I looked at these beautiful prints that I always admired and wanted to make my own dresses and turned it into an outlet where I would go into a closet, my, my closet that I turned into a sewing room. And my husband was working from home because they, no one was, you know, a lot of people were, Thank God, you know, he was able to work from home. So we would like take turns with the kids and I would go in the room, lock the door and sew. And it was like just the sound, it was therapy for me. And so I didn't intend to turn it into a business. It was, I would make a dress and then show it off. My husband's like, oh my gosh, you need to post pictures. I didn't, I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have social media at the time, okay? So that wasn't going to happen. And I had friends, you know, I would send them pictures of the dresses and they were like, what in the world? Like, how did you learn this? Right. And so I would go on YouTube and it was really just, it came out of me. I, I didn't use a pattern. I would just design, I would write, like draw what I wanted to wear and then I would sew it. So, and then like, I would like, my fabric would be coming in. My neighbor would be like, I see all this mail, you know? Cause like, I just always <laughs> had fabric coming in, you know? Yeah. And finally, I decided, you know, maybe I will sell some of like scarves and stuff like that because I really want my art to be, I, I think of it as art and I would love for it to be in an art museum someday. But I decided to start an Etsy page and I started selling my pieces on Etsy. So that's really how it all started, just like that. I love it. <laughs> it's such a survival. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oftentimes what they say that mother, like the mother of invention is, is, like survival and and the need for something right that's right. new and innovative and not existing in our current space which i do feel like what you're putting out there is so unique i don't see this type of clothing and and your vision is just very very uniquely you and it's it's really beautiful to see that vision come to fruition by the way i could totally see it in a museum like it's it I'm is trying to express myself you know <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and i will say that there is something about fashion uh, that is empowering. It's it's actually oftentimes when I struggle with confidence, it's a matter of putting on something that makes me feel empowered. And so I don't know if is that your experience as well? 
Yes, it's a statement for me. If I remember working at a job and a woman said, you, you always dress up. Well, it, it makes me feel good to come into this place, right? Like if I didn't dress up and put on the earrings, I might not want to come in here. Like this is going to be a fashion show for me, yeah. right? <laughs> it really does help to, to brighten um, your mood or whatever you use your fashion for. Yeah, so. no, for sure. And I, for me, especially as a woman, I know that there are times that I have pieces in my closet specifically that I know I go to when I have that important meeting at work and I want to kill it in that presentation or I have an important discussion with my boss and I want to go in there and really just knock it out of the park. There are pieces of clothing that really inspire me to do that. Like, Yes. For me, it's a yellow pair of heels. If I put on some popping yellow heels, it's me saying like, you don't own me. I'm going to wear whatever color I want to wear. Oh. That's, that's me saying that to the, I don't know why, but it's just yellow is so loud for people. And it's my way of yelling out at people like, ah, yes. my way. <laughs> right. No, I love that. I love that because you're right. Colors do have that sort of expression. Like I, I'm being unapologetically me in this color. That's a unique palette. I actually had a uh, a boss's wife one time in the past, as I was working, come up to me and tell me that she didn't like me wearing red. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, okay. but the reason that's she goes, weird. it's too sexy of a color. Oh and no. Well, she's like, I just don't think you should be in a sexy color at work. <laughs> you know what? The next time I saw her, I probably wore red again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You incited something in her. I don't know, but you keep wearing red if you need to. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's something to be said That's about weird. Yeah, the, the way that it makes people feel when they put it right. on and the way that it's perceived, like clearly Absolutely. That color did trigger something. So there's something to be said about, about fashion and empowerment. And I love what it does for especially women. It's wonderful. Yes. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's so great to see what you've done with that. And then beyond that, I mean, you've got a lot more going on. And you're what I think is so great about how you've navigated the challenges of the pandemic and and anything that comes your way you find those those opportunities to really um kind of bring you back to your your zen and so i want to hear about like what prompted you to to start your podcast and and pursue your photography and put it out there right so for my podcast what prompted me is me not being able to speak to a lot of people right now. I know it seems mm -hmm. we have Zoom, but I haven't really been able to have those conversations with people that are just down to earth that I usually get to because I'm not out at the grocery stores as much. I do order my groceries a lot. Sometimes I go into the grocery store, but you know, we're social distancing. So there's not those spontaneous times where I can have these deep conversations. Obviously this is happening now and I'm doing it more with you and women, but I lacked that. I missed that. So being able to just kick it, I feel like I'm just kicking it with people. You know, it's my way of speaking out to my friends that I do not get to have the phone conversation with because they 
may not pick up the phone because they're too busy, you know, and we get in our busy lives. As you can see, I'm very busy. And so it's just nice for people to know I'm, I'm here. I want to talk to you, but I may not have time to talk to you on the phone. Uh -huh. So um, a lot of my podcast isn't, there's not always a guest. Sometimes it's just me speaking. So again, just like my fashion, it's a way for me to express myself. Just another form of expression for me. Thank you. And then, yeah. and then the photography, if you want me to move into that, I can. Yeah, that came from, my husband bought me a professional camera because I've always, every time I went into, and this was from a very young age, it was usually Walmart too. They had those cameras in the back and I was always like, oh, I want, you know, one of these expensive cameras. Cause I had, I was like heavy on the disposable cameras back in the day. Like I had millions of them <laughs> and I was always taking pictures. I loved taking pictures just to express myself and to capture memories. So when my daughter passed away, which was years ago in 2013, I had a lot of different ways I expressed myself. Now, during the pandemic, we're in, and the photography that I put up on Instagram, I put a poem with it. Recently, it's more love poems, but um, I also express my grief. So I'll see a wave and it's like crashing and it represents how I feel like when my grief comes, you know, when you're crying because you lost your child. Um, and so it's a very, it's a healthy way very healthy way for me to express my grief. So another yeah. expression. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you have a very expressive personality. I mean, that's, and that's great that you found the outlets that make you most comfortable in expressing who and you yeah. are and showing yeah. up in the world, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to um, pivot to that very important topic that you brought up about your daughter and um, thank you for first of all, being comfortable enough to even share this. But the reason why I also wanted to bring uh, some awareness to this is because it is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, miscarriage yes. awareness as well. So that is for the month of October. And it's something that you on your social mm -hmm. platforms have been actively bringing light and shedding light to. And so um, one of the things as I was kind of just doing my own personal learning, I found out that one in four people actually experience a pregnancy or infant loss. And that number was so staggering to me because I was like, you don't hear about it enough. No. And you don't hear about it enough because I think a lot of people, I imagine, are struggling with the processing of, of the grief, but also maybe mm -hmm. dealing with isolation in, in shame and in guilt. And that's certainly how, you know, you, you see it play out in, in the media and in mainstream, but that conversation is just not being had enough. And I wonder if there's something that we can all do to let people know they're not alone in this. And I know that as someone who's actually experienced this, I, I would love to hear your take on what kind of awareness we should be bringing to this topic and how can everyone be more helpful and comforting to bereaving parents? Yes. And thank you for asking this question because it is, it's very important. And I believe it's cultural. I think in American culture, in America, we very much, you got to keep pick up and, and keep going. So you can lose someone 
Now, during COVID-19, a lot of people are grieving. So everyone's like, we need to slow down. But when you lose someone and the world keeps going, it's very much like, get back to work, keep going. Like, that's really the American spirit. Like, we get back up and we push through. So I think it's easy to feel guilt and shame if you're still struggling with something because you feel like in three days, you should be able to get back up and keep going. And so I believe not a lot of people talk about it for that reason. I think it's also cultural. I think that um, there are some people who don't want their, their family members to talk about it. It's a source of shame. They don't want anyone to say anything. I think what we can do about it is talk about it anyway. That's what I've been doing. I moved to Illinois specifically to go to seminary because I was speaking out in the church about child loss. And I really wasn't involved in church before I lost my daughter. It was very much, I lost my daughter and turned to God to get through it. Thought that seminary would be the place where I need to speak out because it's taboo to talk about. But then I realized it's taboo to talk about it everywhere. Like people don't talk about it in church. People don't talk about outside of church. Like it's, it's not something anyone wants to touch. So I think for me, I had to get the courage. Again, I'm expressive. So you're not going to shut me up. So I'm going to have to talk about this in order to get through it. Right. I'm talk therapy. That's what helps me. That's what helped me. So I find that when people ask me how many children I have, I say I have two and one in heaven. So I think for me and every time my stomach, you know, it gets knots in it because it is something that, you know, one time I told a lady, it was our neighbor. She saw me from the beginning of my pregnancy. This was my first pregnancy. That didn't see this coming at all. Okay. And lost my daughter at 34 weeks. You know, she saw me one day and where's the baby? And I told her and she broke down. So then you, you don't want to, I don't know what other women who have gone through this field, but you don't want to ruin other people's day. Right. Mm -hmm. So someone says, how's your day? And you say, you know, I'm really having a bad day because my daughter died. Well, that's not very socially acceptable, right? <laughs> so you kind of go into isolation. So I did, I went and I also was forced into isolation because not a lot of people called me after because they didn't know what to say to me. So I think advice that I would give to family and friends is that even though you do not know what to say, check on that person. When they are there for you, when you go through a breakup, like think about maybe being there for that person <laughs> when right. they lose a child, even if it's a text message that says, I don't know what to say, but I love you and I miss you or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, we got an outpour of love. So I'm not saying we didn't get any support, but it's after that people stopped calling me that I really broke down because I lost friends. I didn't just lose my daughter. I lost friends and family members. So now I'm mourning the loss of my child. I'm mourning the loss of old me because that person's gone. Let's just be real. And yeah. I have to like make new friends. And then when people ask me about my life, it's not fair to not include this child that I carried for 34 weeks. So it's just, I don't know what I would tell other women going through this, but I know for me, I had to push through what everyone, I had to break the status quo. I had to push through what everyone expected me to do. And I had to say, you are uncomfortable. Imagine how it 
it is for me. And I'm talking about this and I'm not doing it to hurt your feelings, but listen, this is like, I'm going through life and this is a part of my life. So anyway, I may have said a lot of things and in, in, <laughs> I don't know, you know, and I said a lot of different things, but what yes. I'm really trying to say is um, try to stand by that person the best you can. And um, for women struggling, if you can, when you get to that point, if you're comfortable, keep talking about it anyway, because that's how more people are going to learn. So mm -hmm. I don't know for me, I grew up in a family where women were able to get pregnant. They were like, you know, babies, babies, babies everywhere. So when I couldn't, you know, when my daughter passed away, I felt something was very wrong with me. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think a lot of other women are going through different things, but I just think being empathetic and just loving that person the best that you can loving on them and, and asking them what they need um, is helpful. Yeah. Letting me share this. <laughs> I, that's why I, I was like, you are going somewhere with this that I didn't want to interrupt. And, and I was like, you, you answered some of so many of the questions I had in, in that, but thank you so much for being open about this. Cause I, as someone who is not a mother who has never carried a child, I can't relate, but of course I've been around people likely who have experienced this. Yeah. I mean, when you hear the number of one in four, that means I have to know somebody who's gone through this. And obviously I know you now, but there are people who've never openly shared. Oh and no. I can only imagine what they're sitting with, you know, and, and how lonely that must feel. And so I feel like this past year is probably the first time I started to see stories even unfold in the mainstream media with, celebrities coming out and actually openly acknowledging their experience from Chrissy Teigen to Meghan Markle, who had a, a whole piece in, um, in, I think it was Time Magazine or something, but Mark Zuckerberg too. Oh, I did not know about his story. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so there are so many people out there, but I think that when more and more people talk about those experiences, you realize that it's, not just you, because like you said, in your experience, you were like, okay, this is just happening to me. And, and everyone's been popping out babies without any problems, but we don't know the journey. Yeah. And I did have a friend who lost her daughter before I lost mine and I had, and her sister did. So it's not that I didn't know anyone, but I will tell you this, after I spoke up about it more, I had letters written to me by people who knew my husband who were like, I just want to let you know this actually happened to me too. Or a coworker who was like, just want to let you know this happened to me too. Or a friend whose mother, you know, this woman is in her forties. She said that her mother took her, they went away for the weekend and told her, Oh, before I had you, I actually lost a baby too. And she would have, she didn't say anything until she learned about my loss. And I spoke mm -hmm. about, up about it. So yes, while I did know some, um, n so many people don't talk about it. And, and I understand why sometimes, but yes, there it's harder when you yeah. live in a culture where there's no space for you to talk about it. Oh, for sure. I, th I think you were spot on with the culture thing. I know in my culture, which is the Indian culture, there's not much discussion around this at all. It is a very private topic. It's meant to be a private to topic and it actually it does impact all cultures even the american culture because 
while I had just pointed out that so many so many of these celebrities are finally starting to come out and, and share their stories, if you look at some of the comments, you still see people like, this is a private matter, like, please like keep this to yourself type of thing. And I'm like, really? Right. You know, it's it's wild that we, we still have such discomfort in talking about things um, when it could really potentially be helping the next person who goes through it. And But if they lose a parent, they're going to post on Facebook and, you know, want you to know that this is a person who's a part of my life or mm -hmm. spouse or a husband. It's when it comes to the babies that people don't really want to hear about your loss as much. They want you to sweep that under the rug, but they, they want you to give them, you know, sympathy when they lose their dog and their family and friends. And that's not fair. That's how I felt <laughs> and feel. So I'm going to talk about it too. I could be yeah. all day. But you know what I'm saying. No, yeah, of course. No, but that's a great point. Loss is loss. It it can Maybe. be in the loss uh, uh, in the form of of your child that's not yet even born or has been born or your your dog or your your pet of any sort, right? Your mom, your dad, your anyone, a relative, a friend. It's loss is loss and grief is grief. And so, uh, it's a great point that we do share those moments. And so, this shouldn't be any different. Now that said, you do have two beautiful children that are still <laughs> with us today. And you, as a mama, I imagine are just rocket. And <laughs> I, I want to point back to your, your life of living your true expression and showing up in all that you do. What do you hope your children take away from everything that you're doing? That they are human and mama is human. So when they get older and they need to express themselves, that's allowed because they're an adult and they're human and they need to be able to find a healthy outlet to do that. But mama is mama and she's also human. So I think for being in, in you and women has helped me with this as well, because I want my children to know that mothers aren't super women and we are human and we are capable of making mistakes and that not too much weight should be put on your mother to create a, a perfect human being because hello, gender equality, there's a father there too. Also, it allows me to be graceful with them so that when they get older and they tell me things I may not want to hear, I can allow them to be who they are. So really just want to show them how to be a good human and to love themselves and just to love other human beings. Really, that's what I want them to learn, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you do that. I think you've done a great job, right? And I'm trying. <laughs> They're teaching me more than I am teaching them. I'm just going to let you know mm -hmm. that because they do things. They're at a very pure, they're pure as in, unadulterated. You hear the word adult in there. They're not going to hide certain things. My daughter does things like no shame, you guys, no shame. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, yeah, well, she's a human being. She's a person. I'm not going to, there's no need to hide this from the world while I will protect her. She needs to understand like she's human and we make mistakes. So I'm not going to, there's no shunning that can happen here. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, for sure. I think that, first of all, that makes a lot of sense. And second of all, I, you know what I thought was really interesting when 
we, you and I joined UN Women in Chicago at the same time, right? We joined the board of directors at the same time, I should say. Uh, We became board members this past summer. And as part of my role as the director of communications and marketing, I was obviously compiling all the bios and putting up on the website. And in that, like, I got to know everyone through their words. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, as I was putting up your bio, I just, I was so fascinated with how you had actually framed your identity and who you are and your story. I love that you said that putting health and family first is what makes you feel powerful. Right. Uh, I I love when people are really intentional about what makes them feel powerful. And then that becomes why they choose to do what they do. But that also your, your identity as a mother has also played into why you've joined the cause for gender equality. So in your words, what is the reason why you decided to join this movement at this point in your life, this moment, and really take the helms of being the public affairs director? Well, to speak on the bio, I'm going to answer your question by talking directly about that bio. I talked about that bio on purpose the way that I did because of former identity issues I had before I was pregnant with my first child. And again, I've told people, old Sandretta's gone because when I lost her, you know, when that ultrasound, like when her heart stopped, I tell people mine did and and started beating a totally different way. And so before I was very go-getter and like I am now not in the same way. I'm not go-getter. I'm more like, this is what I love to do before. It was like, how many status accolades can I get? So I didn't list my degrees on purpose. I have a lot more than I listed in that bio. I didn't list all of my schools because it was me saying to myself that I am more than all of these things and that it is okay for a woman to be powerful and also be a mother and have a family because sometimes we separate the two and we say, well, if you're a woman and you stay home and you have a husband, then you're like this. And also becoming a mom, you get treated a lot less than you should in our world, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. So I wanted to give a shout out to my stay-at-home moms and be like, look, woman, you are still powerful because you're doing something that is, you're raising the next generation. So just let everybody stop talking about you. And you are more than your accomplishments. Um, And joining you in women, the the, the the space that I am in now, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And for me, it is very important for me to remember who I am as a woman. So I need to be around other women who are like-minded, intelligent, want to care for the world. And if I want to teach my children how to do that, I need to let them see me doing that. So that's the, the main reason why I joined you and women, because I care about people. I care about the world, but I can't just care about the people in my house. Like there are other people in the world that I care about. And I want to show my children, like the world doesn't revolve around us as a family. Like the American dream, it's very family centered and that's good, but it starts to become for me, like an idol, like this thing that like, if you don't have a family, a husband, a house, then then you're doing something wrong, right? And so we like beat ourselves up. Like I remember years before I got married, I was Googling like, is marriage obsolete? Like, I don't even think, (laughs) is anyone gonna ever wanna marry me? And now I'm like, listen, okay, it's great 
but there's more to our life than just being married and having children. And not just, but those are great things, but there are other great things too, you know? (laughs) And so if I can do both and show my daughter that you can do both, then I've been successful. If I can show my son that he can have a partner who can take care of their children, his children, and still care about other things in their life, then I feel like I've done my job. Does that make sense? It does. And you and and really helps me with that because they're awesome. (laughs) There are. Yeah. I was like, as we were talking about before we started recording, I'm like, we have quite a team. They are really um, incredible women who are doing incredible yeah. things in their own right. They're on their own terms. Yeah. Everyone's life looks different. They're on different yeah. paths, but yet we come together for this purpose of evening the the playing field, which is long, obviously not been even. And, you know, for my, for me, my why was very much around based on my experiences and how I showed up in the world and how other people showed up around me. And that guided my decision to join and try to be part of the the solution um, right. when I had been around the problem for so long. Mm. And, you know, and, and thank you for sharing about, you know, just women's identities outside of marriage and, you know, children, because that's been a battle that I've, I've had to fight. And as a single woman who is not married and is, does not have children right now, um, you know, Oftentimes, especially when I'm around family, I'll get the question, why not? Why are you still single? And why haven't you found somebody? It's almost like nothing else about my identity is valid. Yes, exactly. Right. And you feel in, in even, okay, the Disney, watching the Disney princess movies or just, it's okay to want to be married. It's okay to want to have children. It's not okay that you feel shamed because you're not in that space at the time of your life. It's, it's, I'm going to be working on the campaign for ending child marriage coming soon, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And it really struck me. It triggered me in such a way because some of us are forced into marriages just socially out of social status and and not wanting to feel we're not doing the next thing that is on the list i'm not saying that's me i'm just gonna let you know it's out there and i had i have felt those pressures you have family members who are like when are you gonna get married but then you get married and they're like when are you gonna have a baby and you're like hold on you don't even know what my womb is capable of like you don't know if i can save children right So there's more to life than that. And I think people need to know that so they know there's nothing wrong with them if they're not married because there's nothing wrong. (laughs) You know, you're living a different path. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's why I, I'm being mindful, intentional about how I also, you know, show up around other women because I don't want to project any, anything of that nature, anything like, oh, like, are, are you not dating and why not? Like, you know, I, I'm mindful because I know what that's like. I, you know, they're, th- this is not my season for that. And then on the flip side, as, as a potential wife or mother that is staying at home and has made that choice and, you know, someone coming out of, you know, the left field going like, oh, like, well, what about your career? And I Thank mean, you. Right, you know, right. like, why don't, why don't we have a job? Yeah, but it's like, right. I have a job. <laughs> I'm working, boo. I'm working, baby. Don't, don't exactly. trust me. 
there's a okay. lot of fluids and throw up all over me. This isn't just, I'm not chilling, you know? No. Right, right. Yeah, as my mom who didn't work in the traditional sense, I, I can tell you, she, we, my brother and I put her to work. We let me, definitely, let me tell you what, you my children put me to work. <laughs> I'm very exactly. sleep at night, okay? Because I am exhausted. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> mad respect for women who are at home and, and doing the parenting thing and taking care of things there to the women who are in their, you know, chosen profession and, and killing it. And to the women who are doing both too, like, it's just what? whatever works for your personal journey. So yes, absolutely. And your family, like, you know, mind your own business people. It's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm always like, you know, it's not you that has to wake up to the, this person that I'm going to choose. So why are you concerned with this? Like, no you, are not, you are not in my home. You are not. Very true. Thank yeah. You. Well oh my goodness. Well, that that segues really well into the efforts for gender equality and the work yes. that we're doing at the UN Women Chicago. Yes. yes. And you've specifically been really involved with the He for She campaign, uh, which is what our upcoming event is going to be supporting. And we'll talk about what that event is. But over these past few weeks, you've been interviewing people and putting together videos and talking to people about their stances and their positions on he for she first of all explain what he for she the campaign is and then tell us what you've learned so far in listening to other people's journeys yes absolutely and can i just say that working with you and women is amazing so if you are a like-minded woman and you have a you and women chapter near you you need to join it and get in there. It's it's wonderful. You're doing amazing work, um, humanitarian work, and you're learning a lot of amazing skills. So He for She is a global movement for gender equality. I know that sounds like what, but it it's it's amazing because if you think about, I like to put it in these terms. In America, we have serious racial issues, specifically between white and black people. Okay, during the time where you had the civil rights movement, you didn't just have black people fighting, you had white people fighting alongside of them. And we needed that. We needed Harriet Tubman needed um, some of the people who helped her were not just black, you know, if any, you know, that that helped her go from house to house um, during some parts of her journey. And so I like to think that if we have he, if we have men and women, at odds and we have women who are locked out of spaces where men are getting all of the power. It's up to men to help come alongside of us, to help us fight, to fight with us, to achieve that. If you have a daughter and you want to see her grab more opportunities, if you have a mother and you've seen her struggle, your wife, it's, it's amazing when we can come together. So it's men for women, men who are working with you and women working out in their communities to help to, create these amazing opportunities alongside women. So we're working together. So it's he for she. Um, and I really feel honored, you know, he helping she, working alongside she to be working on this campaign. We're coming towards the end of it. It's been an amazing video campaign. I've gotten a chance to listen to the stories. We're calling it Stories of Solidarity. I've gotten a chance to listen to men and women talk about the role that women have played in their homes. They've given tips on what you can do to be an ally, what you can do to help to advance 
um, the movement for gender equality, not just a movement, but in your home. How can you come alongside your wife and help her do that laundry, help her with your children? So it's been an amazing journey. I hope I am answering that question, <laughs> because um, you are, you are. That's what it's. That's what it's been. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. So I do encourage whoever is watching or listening to go to heforshe.org, but also you and women Chicago and take a look on our Instagram TV. Listen to these stories. They're amazing. Some are five minutes long. Some are 20 minutes long. Um, and you just get to listen to each individual talk about why it is important for men to come alongside women so that we can have more equality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a brilliant movement because I've always said from the beginning in, in my first episode, my solo episode, I talked about this. It's going to require all of us. And any do. type of change requires all of us. So whether we're talking about the movement for gender <laughs> equality or we're talking about racial equality and equity, it's it's not the group that has the disadvantage that is the only one that's in the game and, and trying to fight for their rights. It's truly when those who are in the positions of privilege and power can also come in and be true allies. And oh, so to that end, what does true allyship look like in your opinion and in your experience? So for me, the, the first thing for true allyship is to educate yourself. What is going on? So for me, I like to look at, you can look on you and women's website. There are a lot of other resources but educate yourself to find out what are the resources that women are lacking. Some people are just ignorant. They don't, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like literally they just don't know. They do not know because they are not in circles where they're seeing women struggle. So they have no idea. They don't know that girls are struggling with education because maybe in their neighborhood, that's not something that they even see. They don't know that they're locking women out of spaces because they're around a bunch of men. So they have no idea. So educate yourself first. Um, second, decide whether you can step outside of your own cultural upbringing. Can you? We have to realize a lot of these barriers interrupt thousands of years of strong cultural teachings. So and we talked about this earlier. So are you a person, do you know what you truly, how you truly feel about women? What do you feel they should be allowed to have? Are you able to, or, or, or their place in society should be, and are you able to step out of what you have been taught to come alongside them? If you cannot, like that right there is like, we go back to the beginning and, and, and work through that. And then um, if you can keep educating yourself and then have compassion for, and, and I'm speaking for us women, for let's have compassion for those who are still learning because at least they're trying. So that's, that's kind of what we can do. And then ask women what they want, because honestly, we do not all want the same thing. Gender equality for you does not look the same as gender equality for me. I, I come from a church background in some ways where I've seen women who do want the husband to be the leader of the home However, they have a bank account and I don't think they realize that the reason they're able to have their own bank account is because of the fight for gender equality, because that just recently happened in the 70s. So I'm not saying it's wrong for you to want your husband to lead the home, but really think about 
what you mean when you say gender equality. Like, do you want him to be a leader to the point where you don't get to own your own land? Or if he died, you couldn't take care of your children and go back and get education? Like, like really think about that. Because I've had to challenge that in my own community around people who are religious, where it's like, well, your husband should be the leader of your home. Well, that's not my household. And this is really me coming out of the closet with that one. So this mm -hmm. is the first time people are <laughs> hear this. My husband kind of, you know, I don't know if he tells everyone that, right? Like we keep that on the low with some people, but to be real, like that's not how we run our household. Like he has yeah. a woman who's a strong woman who does what she needs to do. And he appreciates that. And I don't let him lead everything because he may not want to lead everything. That's a lot for one person. Like, what if I'm better or maybe not better? What if I'm good in this area? Like, does he really have to do I need his instructions? So that's how our that's how we run our household. Like he gets to do what he feels is important and necessary for his you know, and, and I do too, you know, mom does too. And he lets our children see that. Well, mom, mom can do this too. So anyway, that's why I say uh, to be an ally, ask each individual person what they want. It's just like being a black woman, like not all black women or black people want the same thing, you know? So make sure you ask questions. Does that make sense? I can kind of educate yourself, find out if you can step outside of your culture to really be an ally. Try to do so. If you can have compassion for people still learning, that's on both sides because at least they're trying and then ask people individually what they want. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I mean, you covered a lot of ground there. I was like, there's so much. <laughs> I'm like, listen, you asked me the question. All right. So there's I, the I answer. Did. I did. And I got the answer, but then I also have so much more follow up. And I'm like, I will talk to you about this for hours and hours. But <laughs> I, I will say, you're right. It's not a one size fits all. At least it hasn't been in my experience. So I, I can relate to that. It's there's not just one answer for everybody because everyone's experience is different. Everyone's story is different. Yeah. And the what you don't know is what you don't know is is so true. And the education piece. So the one thing though I have found in the tip in this like past year with all the the tensions rising across the board, whether we're talking about gender equality, racial equality, all of it, is that with people who may even be trying to learn and are making mistakes, there's there's this cancel culture that's been built, right? So I want to get your thoughts on this because I I'm I always say that look, I can appreciate a culture of accountability. Right. Yes. Cancel culture. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I feel like if you're rock you're walking down a road and you trip on a rock and then everyone's like, well, you're canceled. Like you've got to get her off the road. You completely miss it. They're on your road. Like they're on the road with you. They're stumbling because they do not know. Go help them up. Talk to them. And if, and if you don't want to help them up, like look at them as they fall across the rock and be like, hey, this is how you get back up again. Like we're all going to need to we're all going to help each other through this. You can't just say like, oh, you're done. You're off of the road now because you tripped. Because again, we're having to interrupt thousands of years of strong cultural teachings. So let's let's be more graceful. Let's be graceful yeah. with each other. It doesn't other. happen overnight. There, There's that compassion piece, the empathy piece, the understanding yes. piece right? that needs to come into play. Because as we're talking about allyship, 
we don't want to discourage discourage allyship. The yeah. you know when as they're trying, as people are trying, and and really trying to walk that path with you, and then the this that trip up you you see you're like nope get out of my path then you're gonna lose allies is how i see it like, well yeah you won't i mean as a black woman do you know how many times i've had to like be compassionate or have empathy over do you know how many times i've had to just take a step back and let someone stumble and then i lived abroad when i lived in mexico there were certain parts of mexico that were very rural they had never seen a black woman and they were like asked to touch my skin or one person like just literally stuck their fingers in my hair, which isn't okay, right? I can go off on them and be like, no, you can't touch my skin, you're racist or whatever. Or I could be like an ambassador. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can educate them. I can say, listen, um, ask before you touch my hair, I'm a human being, you know? And then they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. You know what I mean? And then we would have like these long conversations. And by the end of the conversation, they were educated. That's not going to be everyone. But if I had snapped off on every person who made a really rude comment about me based off of, you know, I'm a black woman, I would be really mad all the time. And I'm not saying don't get upset because there's some people saying some really messed up stuff, but at the same time, grace. Yes. That's all I can say. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I was talking about the culture of accountability. I'm not saying don't hold people accountable and, and try to, you know, meet them on their, their path and that's give right. them the, the opportunity to learn and grow. Right. Um, but I think when you just shut it down right then and there, it doesn't leave room for that. You lost it. And I think, yeah, I think that definitely does then kind of be, it becomes counterproductive to uh, allyship and, and having having people in your corner. And you're going to be in the same boat one day because there's going to be something you're doing wrong. So extend that same mercy. Yes, I always say that. I'm like, look, we all do have certain privileges and powers, even in as being members of a marginalized community. Doesn't mean that there isn't a space in which you might enter where you carry that power privilege. Like I think about this all the time. I'm an able-bodied cis hetero woman. Like, you know, I, I have those powers and privileges in certain communities and then in certain ones I don't as a woman of color or, you know, whatever it may be, but mm -hmm. it could easily be you. It could absolutely. easily be you. And so this yeah. is where compassion and empathy come into play. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, it's been great to hear some of those stories in the he for she videos that, that you referenced. Um, I, I noticed a lot of the men even talking about like how they're they're changing the gender norms in the household with domestic responsibilities, dividing and conquering. It's it's yeah. great to see the, the page turning. And so I really hope that that work continues and more and more people join the movement. And speaking yeah. of movements, um, he for she is also going to be um, supported by our upcoming Gender Equality Awards for UN yeah. Women Chicago, which yeah. is coming up on Thursday, October 21st. You it's have people. It's going to be yes. amazing. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I, I was part of last year's gala as a as an attendee only. I was not in, in a UN Women Chicago a member, but I was on the board and I had nothing to do with actually putting that event together. And as just an observer, I was like, what a cool event. And this was, this is virtual. Like we've, we've done virtual last year and we'll do virtual again this year. Hopefully we'll return to doing them in person, but the program is really inspiring and we're going to be honoring 
three individuals who are champions and advocates for gender equality. So super excited about that. And our proceeds are going to benefit a great cause. Can you share what the cause will be? Yes. So women and girls in Afghanistan, um, there are other areas where you can give, but that's where the proceeds will go towards helping the women and girls in Afghanistan, which is wonderful. And can I say that it, it being virtual is amazing because if you are in Dubai or somewhere across the globe, you can still attend this. This is what's amazing about virtual. I know it's been hard, but I think this is wonderful that actually more of you can attend this. So I hope you will, um, especially because this is a population of people, the women and girls in Afghanistan, that we want to reach. We want to be able to help them. And so you attending will be such a benefit to them. And I'm actually going to be a performer on it this this year um, yes. at Gender Equality Awards. I'll be reading po a poem, I Speak Up. And so please come. And not only that, it's just amazing to see how many people truly pour their energy into making sure women can have opportunities. So, and, and to celebrate that is, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I, me too. I cannot wait. We've we've been working on this for a little while and with each passing day, it becomes more and more exciting with all the things we've got going on. And of course, of course, you're, you're expressing your talents <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear this poem. I feel like it's going to be so resonant with just everyone attending and, and listening. And so I think it'll be an inspiring night. Where can people get tickets? You can go to you and women Chicago and there's a link in the link tree and that will take you to where you can get tickets. I'm thinking that that's the first place that pops into my mind at you and women Chicago on Instagram. And so yes, you can go to Instagram, uh, the website as well, which is unwomenusa.com slash Chicago. So you can find it there. It's on Eventbrite. We are, we're trying to get the word out there as much as possible. Yeah. It's going to be an inspiring night. And as we wrap up this conversation, I want to ask you just what's, what's next for you in this role and beyond? I know you're working on some um, projects in the near future, a campaign in the near future. Why don't you go ahead and plant the seed for what's to come? So there is still a need to end child marriage in the United States of America. And I know that sounds weird. Most people think, oh, child marriage. And, and they're going to tell you a foreign country, right? Like you think it's not they're say, yes, they're going to say a country in Africa. Okay. And they're going to yeah. say, oh no, this is awful. But you know, 44 states in the USA still have legal child marriage laws. So this is not good. So I know it's just oh, in Illinois, like blowing. one of them. Yes, Illinois is one of them. And so I, you uh, and women is now on the coalition, um, the Illinois coalition to end child marriage, along with UNICEF and Unchained at Last. Look them up and you will find that they are the only agency in the United States that's fighting for this to end. And we, in just the most recent years, we've had um, Rhode Island, Delaware, a few other states that have ended child marriage, some with 18 at the age of 18, you know, no exceptions, you know? So if you're under 18, like you need more time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, teens are coerced in, into this. So starting in January, we will be speaking out um, and we will campaign and, and just make sure that we can end this, not just in Illinois, but around the world. So that's yeah. the next thing with you and women. 
as director of public affairs. Are there tangible steps we can take as just people who want to get involved and help? Yes. So you can go to Unchained at last. You can email your legislator. Like all of the information is there. Okay. But I would say to educate yourself, listen to those survivor stories, and then keep spreading awareness. Keep spreading awareness because it, I mean, it's going to be through law that this ends. So, um, yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this work for providing the resources and helping get the word out because it is mind blowing. The fact that it's happening in our home, it's happening here and it's also happening worldwide. So there's a lot of work to do and it'll only get done if we all come together. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I, I want to say this last thing this, this, yeah. about that. Um, so you can be, le you can be legally married at the age of 16, but you cannot um, have your own, representation in in the courts right because you're too young you're a minor so trying to get a divorce and getting out of an abusive situation is very difficult so this is also another reason that we really need to work hard to end child marriage in the united states <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's so wild so bizarre that you're legal enough to do this thing but then you're right. not you know you're not legalized to exit a potential toxic and abusive situation and yeah. that also is a, a nod to this also being Domestic Violence Awareness Month because that's also been heightened throughout the pandemic and cases have been on the rise. I know in Illinois itself, there have been more than 30% um, of cases. And so, you know, we all, like I said, need to shed light, do the homework, do the the education piece on ourselves and then, and then try to be a part of the, um, the solution. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. And there was so much that we covered and we could probably go on for hours and hours. But <laughs> as always, it's such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for, for being willing to share your story. Thank you. You have a great evening. Thanks, you too. And to the viewers and listeners, we are wishing you a powerful and inspiring day. Happy International Day of the Girl. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. And uh, look forward to chatting with you next time. Take care. Hey, it's me again. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming service so that you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, be sure to follow The Quo on social media at The Quo Media across all platforms for the latest and greatest. Thanks again for joining, supporting, and uplifting the Quo community, or as I like to call it, our Quo Horde. Catch you next time.